Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Mac and Jack podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm Mac. And we have today uh, Chris Sturm, uh, otherwise known uh, for his amazing work on the photo department. Um, how's it going, Chris? Great. Thanks, you guys, for having me. I'm really honored to be here with two fine gentlemen such as yourselves. Uh, I've been called worse, Chris. <laughs> That's pretty bad, though. Yeah, same. It's, it's great to have you here, man. We're really excited. Awesome. So what, what have you been up to? Uh, we know that, so like Jack alluded to, of course, Instagram, but most people, I would think, have found you on YouTube, for, probably. Uh, yeah. You still keeping at the YouTube game? Yeah, um, I have been a little bit quiet last couple of weeks, uh, only because I went on that road trip uh, to Milwaukee with my girlfriend, um, and uh, I alluded to it a couple of times before before the trip started. And there's a couple of videos where I talk about it a little bit. Um, and it's funny that you bring it up because I the last week I've been just like sweating editing this video because I have a video; it's coming. Um, and I am just like, I've never been so stressed about editing a specific video ever because I'm doing it in a very different way than a lot of my other videos. And I'm really proud. Like, I think it's really cool the way I'm doing it. I like it a lot, but it's, it's also like a lot of work. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's coming, but uh, yeah, I've been a little quiet about it. That's really exciting. So you drove to Minneapolis, you say? Uh, Milwaukee. So we Milwaukee. Drove, oh wow! Yeah. So from LA uh, through the South, actually through Arizona, New Mexico, um, Texas, and then up through to Chicago, and then to Milwaukee, because um, uh, my girlfriend just started uh, nursing school. Right. So she That's has awesome. a. We have a dog, and uh, flying with that dog would be impossible because he is a diva. <laughs> uh, any other dog on the planet would be fine probably but he is just very particular and if he's away from my girlfriend for any period of time he's very anxious and so it was just best uh, also with you know the pandemic it was best to drive so we planned a road trip and just went for it that's awesome so i presume you shot a lot of film along the way i shot 30 31 rolls of film i believe um 21 of them being um 120. wow Dang. yeah so what's your 120 of choice on that trip uh that would be my pentax 645n which sadly i had to send out um a couple days ago for repair um and, and you'll see on some of the photos that i'll show on the video coming out uh there's some light leaks and there's some spacing issues with uh with that camera that i didn't realize before i went on the trip um, it didn't ruin anything, but it's like not great either. So, uh, but that camera is so nice and easy to use. And if you're on a trip, it's not as bulky as like my RB67. So it's, it was really nice shooting that thing. Yeah. So I have the Pentax 67. I'm not familiar with the 645 line, the 645N, that N designation. What is that? Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it starts it stands for new because there's the original 645 and then right. the one after that was 645n and that one has autofocus and better metering and a better viewfinder and blah 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 and then the 645n2 is like the next evolution of that um right. and they made those three models based on that platform um and then they made the uh, medium format digital so the the 645z yeah. i think and then the 645 D maybe I don't know I can't remember the other ones. 
So the 645N is uh, autofocus? Yeah, it's got autofocus, um, but you can use manual focus with it as well, which I did about half the time. Um, and the autofocus, though, is really kind of what sells me on that camera because you get like a full 645 media format experience um, with interchangeable lenses. That's not like a folder that has like autofocus. It's really nice. Right. It, yeah. Because is that the one with the way you, um, for the shutter speeds, it's two soft, like squishy switches? And yeah, that's the, the cartridge. One. Yeah, the first 645 is. The 645N has uh, dials on the top like uh, like a Fuji camera or like a regular analog camera. Oh, that's camera. much so, nicer. Much nicer, yeah. I've never used the first iteration that has the push buttons, um, but uh, yeah, the, the dials are nice. So yeah, yeah. They, they, they tend to go quite sad. And I assisted a fashion photographer um, for a while who that was her primary um, camera. And constantly I'd hear her swearing under her breath as this stupid contacts like died out. Oh, but, yeah. God, that... I think that that like, like those lines of cameras are fantastic. They've got some great glass going on with them, and the size, oh, so much easier to travel with. Particularly when you said RB67, like I'm planning a trip, and I genuinely was thinking, oh, it'd be a great idea to take a, an RB with a uh, pistol grip. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do it. No way. Um, but and I'm still tempted. I'll tell you this: I have done trips with the RB67, and yeah, it adds some bulk to what you're traveling with but like i don't know i was doing that for like six years until i got the pentax 645n and it really wasn't that much of a bother it's it's especially you know when you take photos with it and then you get them back later and you're like ah yeah that's why i brought this camera because look at how freaking amazing these photos are so it's kind of like you know you do what you got to do to get the good pictures yep agreed um what film were you shooting with 120 uh, so I got really lucky and Film Supply Club um, decided to sponsor me for this trip. And so they sent me off with three packs of Portra 400. Um, so I, I shot a lot of that. And then um, I was partnering with Lomography as well. And they were sending me some Lomo 800 and 400, but it didn't reach me in time before I left. So I had some 800 and 400 that I had purchased prior to that that I had on reserve that I just like brought some of that with me. Um, so that was really fun. And then Lomo had sent me some Metropolis and purple. So I think I shot, I gave my, my one roll of purple to my girlfriend, but I shot a couple rolls of the Metropolis, which was surprisingly a very, very cool film. I didn't yeah. know much about it beforehand, but I was really surprised by it. Yeah, that's great. That Lomo 400 absolutely is my favorite film on my yeah. IG feed. I bet 90% of my images are Lomo 400. And everybody sleeps on that film, and I'm glad they do because the price is yes, always I'm... going up. But I really love like the pastel colors it renders. It's, it's yeah. a magical film. I, I really like it. I shoot it like one and a half stops overexposed, and it never disappoints. Um, well, you're getting, what, 15 shots a roll on your 6 That profile? gets uh, 16 shots a wow. roll. Yeah, which nice. is pretty good. It's yeah, it is. Yeah. And the RB, I mean, I love the RB, but the thing that sucks about it sometimes is, you know, uh, once you get into a role and you're like in the rhythm of like what you're shooting and then like, damn it, that's the 10th shot. Like I got to get another roll out. Like, um, and then scanning a six, seven image is a lot harder or not harder, but it's a lot more like fiddly than scanning like a bunch of six, four, five. So yeah, it's a little nicer. 
Yeah, that's nice. Um, so you said you shot like what, thirty-one rolls, and twenty-one were uh, one twenty. You were shooting thirty-five. What camera were you shooting thirty-five? Yeah, <laughs> originally I was only gonna bring my Olympus XA, which is my little daily carry camera. I have that with me everywhere I go. Um, but I also brought my my Nikon F two because that's my like, that's my desert island camera. Oh, nice uh, choice. I love the F two. It's so good. It's just like. It's that it's that camera. It's I feel like the same reason people like the M6, and I kind of brought this up in my M6 video. Same reason why I like the M F the F2 because the F2 is just it's got a good weight to it. It's a good size. It feels good in your hand. It doesn't get in your way. Um, it has features, but it's not like tricked out all crazy, and uh, it just works and it works with no problems. And so um, yeah, I brought that thing with me with the 50 millimeter 1.4 and the 28 millimeter 2.8 um but usually i think i spent most of my time on the 50. yeah um you know what the nikon f2 is pretty much the only nikon film camera i haven't shot i was a nikon fanboy when i shot digital when i shot weddings i was shooting mm. nikon digital cameras and then when i went to film I, it was every nikon i could but it looks crazy and that's the one that has the prism uh isn't that the giant prism on it yeah, here I have it right here. Yeah, it's kind of it's a little bit Frankenstein's monster. The photomic kind of or something like yeah. that. It's yeah. an awesome thing. Yeah, it's really cool uh, with the Matt Day strap, of course. There you go. Signature oh, sleep nice. watch strap, but um, yeah, yeah it's there got it is. This, uh, the photomic um, meter on top, which is really really nice to look through. It's a really big, bright viewfinder, um, and it just looks very like photojournalism from the 70s you know like it's very absolutely much yeah Which, you know that's an old camera yeah and you know what in a pinch you could hit a robber over the head with it or <laughs> or anchor okay, a boat fine. or you know yeah. whatever you gotta do yeah uh, my m5 is a heavy super heavy camera uh i have the m6 and the m5 and i definitely i just fell in love with the m5 when i bought it and i shoot that now over the m6 i shot the m M6 for like a year, and then it's all M5 now, man. I love the matchstick needle, uh, meter needle in there. That helps yeah. so much. Uh, and believe it or not, man, a freaking self-timer is invaluable, especially when I – like I did that nine days on the road by myself, and then my Leica M6, no freaking timer. It's like yeah. – you know, it seems like a novelty or just something that people are like, oh, you don't need that on a real camera, a pro camera. Guess what? If I'm on a road trip by myself, I would love to be able to take a photo of myself with a film camera, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you yeah. know, it's funny because if you think about a self-timer, if you have to do a long, long uh, exposure and you can't, you don't have like a, a shutter release, self-timer. It doesn't right. shake the camera. It's reliable. It's right there on the camera. I use my F2 self-timer um, ah, so much. I think on this trip, I, I would just put it places uh, just like on something stable and then take a shot of like, something at night so I can get a nice night shot because I, I didn't bring a tripod with me because it was too much stuff to bring. Yeah. Um, and it worked out really well. So yeah. I yeah, mean, man. yeah. You know, so when you were saying about not have it, not having a lot of features, but having some, I, I seem to remember it's got like a two second timer setting. Um, that's, um, cause, and it, there's like a red bar or something. I, I've not had an F2 for about four years. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's like this little so round finger dinger and you, you put it around and then, you release it like that, and then it just goes around. I think it's 10 seconds. We're going to find out. Yeah, that's all the like is. You have that's, to press that that's button. That's roughly 10 seconds, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. There you go. Well, I miss, um, I miss having a self-timer. Uh, I've, got, I've got an Olympus OM-1 that I picked up at a garage sale for 10 bucks with a 51.4, so 
I'm not upset about that, but the oh, time yeah. was ripped off. And yeah. I was like, huh, I'm not going to need that. That's fine. It's all good. And there have been so many times they've been out like, ah, oh, just, just this time it would have been, oh, and that time too. So maybe I need to, maybe I need to like adjust and get that sorted. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, you know, with the M6, I, I wanted it to be the perfect camera because everyone tells you it is, and it absolutely is an amazing camera. But, yeah, that lack of a timer. And then also that, that meter, and they were so bright in my eye. I shoot a lot of, like, dawn and dusk, and that red light to confirm exposure will freaking blind you sometimes <laughs> if it's low enough light and it's a fresh battery, you know? You need sunglasses to look at that thing. Yeah, uh, I like yeah. the matchstick like you do. Like, the, the F2 has the matchstick, and it's just so... It's so nice to see that because even if it's not bright enough, like you see the silhouette of it. Like, it's still right there. But they had the LED and the viewfinder. I never really was a fan of that. Yeah, and I love that the M5 has that spot meter, too. I'm a spot meter junkie. I just love the accuracy of that, especially having shot portraits for so long. I was all about spot meter life shooting portraits, you know, spot meter on their face or their eye. Don't care about the rest of the background. So, yeah, man, the M6, it's... uh. It's just collecting dust on my shelf, but there's no way I can bring myself to sell it because that thing's going to just keep going up in value. And I'll just give it to my mm. kid, you know? And then, yeah, can either, that's yeah. what you should do with cameras. You shouldn't, people shouldn't be buying them as an investment. And I, I get the allure of that. And I know that like some cameras are really cool and, and in vogue at the moment, but um, it really bums me out when younger and new photographers get priced out of really capable cameras because there's this hype around them, you know? Right. Yeah. Like 367 now, I used to, like the last one I have, I think I bought for 300 with the back, the viewfinder and the lens. Um, and I used to buy them all day long from 250 to 400, like that little range right there, depending on the, the condition and what it came with, that was what they always went for. And now they're going for six, seven, $800. And it's like, okay, well you're cutting out the youngest, newest photographers who don't have money for a, a big kit, you know? And it's uh, it's quite a bummer. No, I totally agree with that. Like when I was getting into film photography, I was 16, so like 11 years ago. I, mean, I had no money. I, d I don't think I even had a job at that point. And yeah. I was able to pick up stuff like this. Like, I think I got a Bronica 645 for 70 pounds off eBay at that point. And that yeah. was that was kind of like normal pricing. That that wasn't seen as well. Wow, it's a good deal. It's like sweet. Good. And he knows the Bronica. Like I, I played with an SQAI a couple years ago. I did a video on it, and those are now like 700 bucks. And I, I remember know, seeing them before insane. and they were like 250 bucks for a whole kit. Cause who cares about the Bronica, right? But now, now that, you know, films back in and, and medium formats becoming like the thing that everyone likes again. Yeah. Mm. Everything's expensive now. Well, like a uh, Pentax six, seven, I never expected that to grow in the way it did. I think I sold mine to a classmate, a university for about 250 pounds uh, with the one Oh five, 2.4. And I've messaged her since to be like, do you still have it? Not because I want to buy it. Just please don't sell it. Because well, it's like a thousand dollar setup there or like plus. Just it's the just lens now. Insane. Right. It's yeah. worth it though. It's so worth it. I know. It. That, that's the thing. The lens genuinely is it's magic. fantastic. Yeah. It sings. I am still kind of pissed that I had to pay rent. But, you know, life gets in the way. I got rid of one of mine for that reason too. And I, I don't have any more at this point. Um because I just was doing more studio stuff and doing stuff with strobes. And um, it just became like, this is nice to have, but I don't need it. So I got rid of it. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of regret it now um, because, you know, I look back at some of those pictures I took with that camera and that lens really is like, 
I don't know. They did something, but it's it's such a nice lens. It's a wow moment. It's yeah, like cheating. Time. You know, it's, it's like, like yeah. cheating. You're like, look, I took a great photo with this. No shit, everybody can. As long yeah. as you get the meter right in the middle there where it says and fire and shoot wide open, fire away, man. It's going to be a beautiful shot, you know? Yeah, and that wooden yeah. handle. Oh. Yeah. I, uh, you know what? The wooden handle annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't use it either. So it, ma it made perfect sense. It does give you stability. It ticks every single box that it says it's going to do, but it felt wrong because why is it on the left? I know why it's on the left. It does make sense because no yeah. shadow relief, but it's also you're like, no, this is wrong. But guys, it's aesthetics. It's about the looks, man. Yeah. yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like trimming the sticker on the brim of your hat. It just looks, you know, it gives you those extra five points, <laughs> extra oh, five yeah. cool points. How true. Credibility. Yeah. yeah. And, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why it's on the left there because, like, for cameras, especially heavy cameras, I support the body weight underneath, like, where the lens mounts onto the body, right? So all the weight's in my left hand and I can focus easily, change the aperture easily. So if, if my hand's out on that handle, I, I used it just for carrying and I was like, you know what? I just pinch grip the pinch grip of death on it and walk around yeah. with it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's easy to carry around if, uh, you know, you don't need the handle. I just, I always thought it was, I never had one, but I always thought it was really cool looking and like, completing the kit with the wooden handles like oh yeah it looks so cool but yeah. like yeah i never had one so it is that extra something and those things are expensive so i was like uh, yeah i was like crazy. i'm gonna just sell it and then i went on ebay and i was like holy crap that well, wooden handles going for that okay you guys can have it yeah. that's why i never bought one because i was like there's no way i could buy a lens if with that money like that's stupid they go for <laughs> 200 dollars now yeah yes isn't that for, absurd? Like, for just the handle just the handle <laughs> Just the handle. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I sold my camera for basically what the handle is worth. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh. That's some rough perspective. Yeah. Oh, it was it was a good decision at the time. It's only a bad decision if you weren't thinking straight and I was thinking straight. So we'll go with that. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, you're good. <laughs> so Chris, uh, I know besides your trip, like what would you say you're into? photographing right now what is like your genre what are you what are you about what, what are you passionate about man so that's hard i'm going through in addition to my social media thing i'm going through this like renaissance like this like coming of age of like what i like to photograph because there are so many good photographers out there now that do so much good stuff with film photography and i like i'm like looking left and right and just like wow that's amazing that's amazing that's amazing and I'm like, damn, how do I fit? How do I fit in here? Because like, I don't have like a defined, I don't feel like from my perspective, I have a really super defined style yet. Um, and I've always loved shooting people in portraits, but I think what I've really gotten into um, lately is really editorial documentary style stuff. Like I really like telling stories. And so I've been really trying to um, uh, more environmental portraits um, and uh, stuff like that. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to do because uh, it's I can't not compare myself to other photographers. And so I constantly trip myself up. Like I'm doing something. I'm like, oh, but I want to get like these pastel colors or like this look of this photo. I saw. I'm like, no, 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 no. Do what you want. Like, don't compare yourself. And that's the hardest part. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I have a, if I did a good job defining what I like, but that's yeah, editorial kind of like, you know, storytelling stuff is really kind of what's making me excited these days. 
Yeah, I think, you know, there are people who have their, like, locked-in genres, but I think 80% of us are just, like, going through constant self-discovery with, like, every roll of film we get back, and we're deciding what is the next step, left or right. And then we just end up somewhere. You know, like, I started out with, like, portraits, and then went into crazy bourgeois, and then now if you look at my Instagram feed, it's a bunch of buildings and holes in the ground. And uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think I really ever made, like, a, a conscious decision to make that switch. It kind of just evolved into it. So I totally get what you're saying, man. It just, it just happens. And then I hear you about, like, uh, feeling like you don't have a style. I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, when you do these editorial shoots, are you planning in advance or kind of, you know, how do you approach that? Or is it kind of right on the fly? I mean, I'm kind of doing both. Um, you know, there's there's some stuff I've shot lately um, that I'll probably be sharing at some point um, that was very, like, planned out where I wanted to, like, tell a specific story where I have someone like, oh, like, uh, you make your own clothing. And, you know, I want to see you in the clothing you make. I want to see you in the environment of you making the clothing. I want to see you in your everyday life, like, what that looks like for you being, like, a designer and a maker of your own stuff. Um, but then there's also just like on this trip, I was trying to tell the story of like driving through America during a pandemic without focusing on the pandemic aspect and without trying to be too insular. Like I didn't want the camera pointed at me necessarily. I kind of wanted it to be like, oh, um, this is kind of what I see on this very specific path through the U.S. And like this is the story of point A to point B kind of. Um, and that wasn't really planned out as I just knew that I was going to document it in some way. I just kind of was like, do whatever feels natural in the moment. And in the moment, you know, what felt natural was me in the passenger seat photographing from my vantage point from my window. So most of the photos in this series are going to be the, from the front uh, windshield or from the passenger window, which is like, I haven't seen a whole lot of people doing like a whole cohesive series about uh with stuff like that so that's kind of what i was like trying out um i'm not sure how successful it's going to be when it's all put together but that was kind of my on the fly decision so it, it just goes it just depends on what i'm feeling like i'll wake up one day have an idea for a shoot or i'll wake up one day and i'll grab my camera and go walk around my neighborhood and try to put a story together so w when you're shooting are you predominantly going with medium format or you just whatever the day feels but do you stick with one platform primarily I don't have any kind of rules in that way. I really love shooting medium format and I have a Rolleiflex, I have my RB67 and I have my Pentax 645. Um, but, um, and so when it comes to work that I wanna be really impactful or work that is gonna be either like commercial work or stuff that I'm being paid for or uh, something that's like for a specific project, I'll probably choose medium format just for like, I can crop in or it just has right. that look, whatever. Mm -hmm. but, you know, for the most part, um, I was talking about how I have my Olympus XA with me most of the time. Um, that camera has really become my sketchbook. Like, you know, some people will carry a little sketchbook in their pocket and if they see something, if they have an idea, they'll write it down like a mm -hmm. lyric or like a whatever. Um, that's what I do with my, my XA. If I have an idea or I see something, like I can immediately pull it out and take a quick snap. And the picture doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, it just has to be like a moment that I can revisit and be like, okay, I know what I was thinking when I took this picture, I can revisit it and like flesh it out. Um, so more often than not, I'm carrying my, my Olympus XA around with me. Um, same goes for the, the Nikon F2. Uh, if I'm going to be gone for um, a whole day, like 
out of the city if I'm going to go to work or do something like that, I'll bring the F2 with me as kind of like a, a behind the scenes or like a, you know, kind of a storytelling viewpoint. So if I'm like shooting with one of my cameras for like a client, I'll have my F2 and I'll do some behind the scenes shots. I'll do some shots with the F2 to just get a different perspective for like my own stuff. Um, so yeah, a lot of people compare 35 millimeter to like medium format as far as like quality. Um, but I don't see it so much in that way. I think it's more of just like, what language do you want to tell the story in today? And like, these are the languages I have at my disposal. So I'll try them all out and see which one works best. Um, and it's hard to pick because I love shooting them all. So <laughs> no, I totally cool. agree on your uh, kind of sketchbook analogy of um, 35 because yeah, film has a cost, but when you compare the cost of a frame at 35 versus literally anything else um, larger, it's it's pretty cheap. Like it's it's kind of designed to be shot quickly. It is a snapshot format. It, there's a reason they called it an amateur format for so many years because it's supposed to be accessible. And like having owned an XA at some point, I don't remember when, but at some point I did. I liked it. Totally get the thing about it's with you constantly. You can just use it as a survey point. And then I like the fact that you're mentioning. Uh, revisiting places so getting a couple of things down and then deciding okay the, like these two shots I need to revisit those and like work that scene or something yeah. um, in a like more formal um, manner that I can completely align with that's something that I've been doing uh, in the past um, yeah th 35 is is great for both both sides of things um, are you finding you're using that more in your uh, sort of editorial stuff or are you still like more fo like um more focused on using like larger formats for that it totally depends on the project or, or what i'm doing um i have <clears throat> i have more of an affinity for lenses than i do for specific cameras or film formats so like for my nikon i have a 24 millimeter 2.8 that is just an incredible lens that i can either adapt with a speed booster i could put it on my nikon uh, and have the 24 millimeter focal length, or I can put a speed booster and put it on my my uh, XT3 and have a 24 millimeter, or I can put it on a dumb adapter and have it be closer to a 38 millimeter or a 35 millimeter, uh, and that makes it a really versatile lens for all those different uh, use cases. But um, you know, it's going to be more of a of a way or a device to kind of tell the story with different focal lengths and different you know different view angles of view than like the actual film format itself. So um, like my my Pentax 645N, my favorite lens on that is a 45 millimeter 2.8, which is about 35 millimeters and that, or I'm sorry, 28 millimeters. So that lens is really wide, but it has this really beautiful um, rendering and it, it uh, it's really, really small depth of field when using it um, wide open which is great for portraits or if you want to stop it down, it's really beautiful for like landscape style stuff or like really wide angles of view. So it's just like, I'm more thinking about, you know, what lens would capture what I'm trying to tell in this image better, not necessarily what film form format. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's more fun that way. So any film stocks that you find yourself constantly drawn back to, or is that situational as well? Oh man. Uh, it's less situational than you'd think mostly because, um, I don't scan film 
and then I'm not like it's just done. I used to do that. I used to scan it, whatever the profile was in my scanner, and then like let it ride. And then whatever it looked like out of the scanner, that's what the film looked like, and we're gonna go with it. Um, I edit all of my film nowadays, uh, but I edit it just like I edit my digital stuff, which is very very minimally. Um, just to like punch up contrast or whatever, everything's scanned really flat. So I bring everything up in post. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ektar and everyone <laughs> makes fun of me, <laughs> but I love Ektar. I always have, it's really, really punchy. And when it's overexposed a little bit, it can be really, really nice. Um, but it's also finicky. It's very similar to slide film. So you have to be careful with exposure, um, but that's always been a fun film for me. Um, I, don't actually shoot a ton of portrait. <laughs> um, I like it, but uh, it's just kind of like, it's like the default setting for everybody, which is fine. It's a beautiful film and it's very flexible, but um, I'm really, really, really into Lomo right now. Uh, 400 and 800, like you were talking about earlier, like it's so pretty and it's very, it's very much got those pastels that that portrait has, but it's very different. It's a different saturation level. It's a different like, uh, the reds look way different, um, and the blues specifically have a lot of cyan in them, I've found, and I really, mm. really like that. Um, and the 800 is just like one of those films where it's got so much latitude that I can beat it up all I want, and it looks really, really great. So I've been really, really loving Lomo stuff. It's so good. I mean, and it has so much latitude and post, and it's such a thin film. Like when you mm -hmm. compared to Portrait 400, Malomo 400, you can tell it's a consumer grade film. But holy crap, the latitude in that film, and then talking about the blues, uh, the blues are amazing. I, what I, how I describe Malomo 400? It's like Easter. You know, all the colors of Easter that you would associate in, in America, the pastels. That's yeah. what it is for me, man. And. It has this crazy blue in the highlights. It's just a fantastic yeah. film. And it's I not mean. too desaturated because portrait can sometimes get seem a little bit too flat, which looks beautiful. You know, there's a reason why everyone loves it, but like having that extra saturation punch um, is really beautiful. And I read somewhere, I have no idea if this is true, but I wouldn't be surprised. Apparently, someone uh, is pretty convinced that. Um, Lomo 400 and 800, or at least 800 is cut from Ultramat, or which the which is the 800 Kodak stock? Um, is, is it that just Portrait 800? No, 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 like Kodak, it's the consumer Kodak Max. Oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, the one in the uh, disposable cameras. Yeah, and the 400 is cut from Ultramax. Um, that's what the idea is. Is people are thinking that they're getting it cut from the master reels, which makes a lot of sense because if you look at Ultramax and Kodak Max next to next to it, it it's I can see why people would think it's the same film. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but judging by the characteristics of the of the saturation, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but having that extra saturation, having that color, that color information is like it's very very nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's easy to work with, and it's a layout with a, a good lens for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, you have any other trips planned coming up? Oh man, I'm going back to Milwaukee uh, on the 16th. Um, to see my girlfriend for a couple days because uh, I just got vaccinated and she's vaccinated. So now we can have a vaccinated party. Yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she's she's bored out there. All she's doing is school. So she's like, come hang out with me. So doing that. Um, I'm supposed to be meeting up with Jason of uh, Granny Day's YouTube channel. Um, 
I think next week, not this weekend, but next weekend. And we were talking about taking some kind of day trip out somewhere. Um, we haven't met yet, but we've been talking about it. So we're going to try to do that. Um, and then my friend Sam, you guys know Sam Elkins. Um, he and I have been talking about taking a trip out to the mountains at some point to do something cool. So um, I'm hoping I can talk him into that sometime soon because I want to get out. I, you know, taking that trip out to Milwaukee, that road trip was like very needed, especially after like a year of being indoors. Mm-hmm. So um, now I've got the travel bug. So I want to get back out. Because you're, you're down in L.A., aren't you? Yep, I've been here since October. So Okay. Yeah, I, I know nothing about Southern California other than I've stayed in Riverside a couple of times. It's um, warm. Uh, yes, it is warm. <laughs> it's, the weather here is relatively nice most of the time and uh, very warm sometimes. Um, you know, having grown up in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's not so foreign being this, I mean, because it's still the West Coast. It's just like a sunny version of the of the Bay Area, but uh, less tech. Um, a lot more, a lot more flip-flops, <laughs> um, and people doing drugs all the time, which I guess yeah. that happens. Hey, <laughs> it's, it's like Sonoma County. Yeah, exactly. It's like Sonoma County, but with beaches. Yeah. <laughs> so you're everyone, ever... everyone who lives here is like, what is he talking about? He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not doing that. Yeah. It's being dramatic. Um, are you, you ever go out shooting the street in LA? You know, I suck at street photography. I suck at it yeah, because I'm so I'm so timid, and I yeah. don't want the, my my like I hate confrontation, especially confrontation that could be avoided. So if I take a picture of someone and they see me and they're like, "Hey, I don't want that interaction ever." Um, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Some people are good at dealing with that, and some people are really charming. Like um, I was watching a video with was it King James and he was out on the streets taking pictures and some lady was like, Oh, I don't want my picture taken. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me tell you what I'm working on. And he just kind of like shoots the crap with her for a minute. And then she's like, Oh, that's cool. Like, let me get your Instagram. And like totally flips it around. And I'm like, damn, I don't have the confidence to do what he just did, you know? Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all about avoiding that confrontation. Everybody's really pissed off right now in America. So <laughs> I, I don't, you don't know what someone's going through and they may not be in a good place. And that's the one thing that sets them off. And like, I am, yeah, I, I had a person come up to me and we almost got in a fist fight about oh, two, oh. yeah, about two or three weeks ago. I was with another friend and we were in downtown Tempe and we were shooting and I was shooting buildings. I, I don't care about people on the street. It's not interesting to me, you know, but yeah. I, I respect that genre and I love that it exists. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, I really like looking at street photography, but so I'm shooting at a corner and I am shooting a building on the corner. It's really, really interesting. and lit perfectly. And I turn around and start talking to my friend and this guy comes up and he, he is cussing me out from coming from across the street the whole way. So I know when he gets over to me, it's going to be an issue. And uh, he beelines straight for me. And he says, you taking a picture of me with a lot of expletives? I was like, absolutely not. I don't even know who the, you are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then he's like, let me see the camera. And I, I just started, I just I busted out laughing because it's a film camera because yeah. he wanted to see the back of the camera. And I was like, you can't see the back. He's like, no, you're going to show it to me. I was like, there is no screen. This is a film camera. You shooting film? He said, you taking pictures of me? And then like. I said, listen, I have a right to uh, take a photo of anything I want on public property. He said, and then the, the guy was like, uh, yeah, but sometimes you got to back that up with your body. And I was like, oh, God, are we going to fight, are we gonna, are we gonna fight yeah. right now? I do not. I'm too old to be fighting in the streets of Tempe with some guy that's going to give me like hepatitis C or COVID. <laughs> 
You know, I don't have a vaccine yet. Please stay yeah. away from me. Don't yell in my face. He wasn't wearing a mask. And I'm like, come on, dude. I just want to shoot some film photos. So, I mean, things like that happen. And it's, they it's, sometimes they get worse, you know? Like, oh, he must think he's the most interesting person in the whole of the city. Yeah, which, I mean, also, probably isn't. It's no. just shocking, like, the, the general public has no concept that, that if you are in public, you're, you're, you're uh, you know, you are basically giving up the right to privacy if you're in public. Right. Yeah, and so you yeah. can have your photograph taken. You can't, you, I, don't, I don't think you can be, you can't be audio recorded without consent, but you, you can have your likeness recorded in public by anybody. And that's just how it is. Um, that being said, uh, I do do some street photography and the fact that like, especially during like the COVID stuff, especially down here, um, a lot of places are really empty. Um, that usually aren't. And when I was in Milwaukee, we went to uh, about an hour and a half away is Chicago. And we went down to Chicago for a day and, you know, the, the cloud gate or the bean or whatever is there. And I went, we went to go see it. Cause like, why not? We're in Chicago. Let's go check out the bean. And usually it's swarmed with people because it's a huge, you know, landmark and, and tourist location. There's no one there. And so I got a big medium format picture of the bean with no one around, it was very eerie. And it, it's, you don't get photos like that during, you know, the normal time. So that's been really interesting. So basically photographing areas uh, devoid of people has been really fun. So I've been yeah. doing kind of that. That's been fun. Yeah, me too, man. I, um, so I travel almost every weekend. I live in Phoenix. So I'm like five, six hours away from almost any really decent Southwestern monument or city. And mm -hmm. I, I've ended up in Vegas twice because it's a city on the way back to another spot and it's a place where i can take a shower because i've slept in my car or a tent and yeah. um both times i've been to vegas it's crazy crazy dead like the one of, i think it's the video before last on my youtube channel las vegas boulevard completely empty um so I, I went to hoover dam that was empty i went to um horseshoe bend that was completely empty it was like holy crap it's really cool because you don't have to elbow to elbow to the edge to see the thing but yeah. it's also to your point it's like it's pretty eerie and it's like a once in a century thing so it'll be cool to look back at it and be like how did you get you know that area to be completely empty? the bean especially in chicago that's like a heavily photographed thing every tourist wants to do that you know and you got it empty that's what that's so insane and it was, it, it's, it's like, I wasn't expecting that. I, they closed the park down. So you can't even go up to the bean right now because they closed it down. So you can come up to like, there's like a catwalk that goes past it. You can come there, but you can't go into it. So it was just like, I walked up and I was like, oh, well, okay. Click, got the picture and it looked, it looks great. But it again, yeah, it's just going to be so interesting to look back on these images, you know, 20 years from now and be like, wow, this national monument that's usually swarmed with tourists it's just completely empty. Like that was such a weird time. Yeah. It's a uh, once in a century thing. And I think we all made it through. Um, yeah. Almost. Ends in sight. What do you think uh, that'll do to film photography? Do you, you think we'll continue to see explosions? Cause I think a lot of people um, were getting into film photography during COVID, did you notice the camera prices went through the roof? It was like yep. everybody's home and they're just hoarding cameras or watching YouTube and getting, you know, FOMO. They're going to miss out on the next camera. Yeah. And I think that that's going to be a trend we're going to see because, you know, everyone picked up a hobby. And I think a lot of people got interested in film photography and picked that up. And um, I did a, a couple of videos a few years back about developing film at home and those videos spiked in viewership. And then, so I made a couple of videos recently about 
um, developing film at home and like what that looks like and mixing chemicals and stuff. And I'm getting a lot of DMs. I'm getting a lot of uh, emails and messages on YouTube about uh, how to develop film at home. You know, what's my process? Uh, how easy it is to get into all that stuff. And it's really great. I'm really excited for this next generation of photographers who are really taking photography kind of like in their own hands and then, you know, developing themselves at home and then learning about that process. And then those are our next generations of like film lab owners or like, you know, film photographers who do this as like a job. Like that's really, really exciting. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, with Lomography coming out with new film stocks, Kodak has been coming out with new stuff. Um, Cinestill with their new uh, processes for ECN2. There's a company called Quiet We're Dreaming, which um, sells respooled like cinema film. All these like really, really cool projects are coming out um, and people are super interested in it. So I think that we're in a real renaissance as far as film photography. It's, I think it's only going to get bigger, um, especially environmentally. There's going to need to be some kind of changes in how we develop film and like what that looks like in the future um as far as like the environmental impacts mm -hmm. um uh yeah and i think people are bored with digital cameras um yeah. they're great great features but sony puts out a new camera every six months and like i couldn't care less they have amazing technology but like who cares <laughs> right. yeah it's um, boring it's really yeah. boring yeah it is it's and uninspiring it's just, yeah, it's great technology and it's really made um, creativity very possible for a lot of people. But it's also like you can't you have film and it's like this is tangible, real artifacts like you, you can hold these in your hand. You can like touch them and feel them in there and they're, the, the image is there. So I think people are really, really digging that. I think it's going to keep it's going to keep going, getting popular, going up, I think. I'm, I hope so. I feel that one thing that is ultimately a good thing is if Kodak, Fuji, whoever film manufacturers decide, nah, we're done, you can always shoot wet plate because you have to make that yourself. And those yeah. are like stock like chemicals you can find anywhere. Unless somehow silver runs out, which in our lifetimes, I don't think it's going to be a problem. It could yeah. get close, but I'm hoping we'll have popped our clogs before that becomes an issue. Um, yeah, we're probably gonna, probably going to be good for uh, like no, we'll still keeping that going. I think I think it's just going to be one of those things where people saw it as a hobby, and then people were like, "Oh wait, this is more than a hobby. Like this is like a passion." And I think that that's that's what's going to keep it going. You know what's cr crazy? Like I know everybody goes through a different experience with their relationship with film, but like at first it was because it was new. And the images were cool. And then I think now it's just the way I choose to shoot. It gets me to where I want to be faster, you know, with the product that's delivered by pressing the shutter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's just a habit now. Like, so I just shot my first digital portrait shoot yesterday. And that was the first time I've shot a digital camera in probably three months. And it was the Sony A7C. I bought that like October yeah. of last year for video. And, um, but I really, really hated the experience because there were so, <laughs> so many things that I couldn't control or get to the control to tell it what to do. Like, um, that couldn't tell the aperture, what I wanted the aperture wheel to be, the shutter speed. Of course, I figured it all out, but it's like everything's buried. I know you can set it up and get to that custom preset, but once you do get it all set up and you get to that point, 
every shutter press, it was like all the same images, and I know I was going to have to pull in all those raw files and post, and it's going to oh, bog my computer no, no. down. Oh. And uh, I have presets that get me there real fast, digital presets. So, I mean, I can edit digital way faster than film, but it's just like when I was shooting, it was like an inspiring model, and I was like really excited about it, but the images just were like, and then the process, and then like I caught myself like hammering down like multiple times, and I you know, I can't do that with film. Obviously, it's one shot advance, one shot advance. But I'd be like boop 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 boop, and I was like, oh shit, I have to edit or call all of those yeah. out. Of See? Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, oh. All the, that's why I don't shoot weddings because like you're going through images for days. Uh, yeah, and then when I'm shooting, uh, when I have to shoot digital like tethered for like um, a commercial shoot, you know, I hate it, but. Uh, I tell them like I shoot slow, so we're not gonna be having like thirty images coming through. I'm gonna be intentional. Every image is gonna be like intentional because that's that's how I learned to shoot anyway. Because I started shooting film when I was a kid. I didn't I didn't start on digital, so uh, I shoot my digital stuff like I shoot um, my film stuff, and that's why I like Fuji cameras because Fuji cameras have the dials on the top, mm-hmm. and uh, the film simulations are like ninety nine percent there, and like I don't have to faff about with you know culling too many because like i can slow down and like really be intentional with it so i like fuji cameras for that way and that's why i don't have any other digital cameras except for the x-t3 um and that's mainly for video but i still use it for commercial work if i need to um because it's just it's just almost like shooting film almost but still digital so yeah yeah Yeah. I, i i hear you man it's um and i know people are like pro digital pro film and like i was talking about earlier you just get to a point in your like relationship with it where it's not even about i don't even think about that i'm shooting film i just think that's just what i do now you know people are like oh you pro film do you shoot any digital and they hear you shoot digital like oh man you're cheating on film it's like no 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 just when i grab a camera i don't think to grab a digital camera you know and then like the post capture experience is so different too i really like i still have what, 13 roles here to develop and like these could all be bangers or they could all be terrible and the excitement is i don't know but i'll find out you know yeah exactly that 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 instant gratification that people get from digital is valid and i understand that 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 excitement of seeing the image right there as soon as you take it i get why that's helpful and there's no reason that anyone should feel bad that they enjoy that experience for sure but for me for me personally um it doesn't doesn't really do anything for me creatively. It doesn't help me out creatively. Um, and uh, in the end, what I will say to anybody and everyone who asks me, like, what camera should I get? Should I get film or digital? What should I do? Like, do you have any advice? All I say now is, like, find any camera. It doesn't matter what it shoots. Find a camera that you think looks cool, that when you pick up feels good in your hands and is going to make you want to take pictures. That's the camera you should buy. It doesn't matter what brand it is. It doesn't matter if it's... Uh, Canon 5D Mark II, or uh, a Phase One medium format, or uh, whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Whatever makes you want to take pictures and feels good in your hands, and the experience makes you feel good. That's the camera you should get. Dude, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's the way it should be for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, people are like, oh, why, why do you like a Leica, or why do you like whatever you like? It's just like it's fucking what you like, you know? It's yeah. what what gets you excited what i'm supposed to like something that everybody says i should like and i hate doing it you know no why would i do that yeah it's such a dumb idea i think we can be fair saying that um both the uh, offerings from nikon and canon in terms of dslrs are really boring 
Um, yes, they work. They are good. They're more or less the same thing. Like, I've got a Mark II. It's it's fine. It's like, a great that, that exactly like the Mark it, II. It's to decent. This day, to this day, takes wonderful images. Um, I used one for video for a little while a couple years ago, um, and it was obsolete at that point too. But like, I picked up a uh, Mark II at the studio, so I'm shooting for I'm shooting for a uh, a company freelance. Um, every week now so i go in and i use their studio and they have a bunch of canon they're all kitted out with canons and they had a 5d mark ii that they've had for like ever and they just had it and i was like oh a mark ii cool like an old relic and i pulled it out and started shooting with it and i was like man this camera just this was exciting when it came out because canon oh, yeah. made a camera that had this form factor that was professional but easy to use and made sense and had the dial in the right place and like the wheels made sense and the buttons made sense and then the images um you know the low light's not great but if you have the light that camera still still looks amazing and you know what if i found a good deal on the mark ii i'll pick it up i'll buy one it's a great camera they, have, they keep just every year they keep coming down i think i picked mine up last year for four hundred dollars or something that's great oh kh which is amazing um and that was i i previously shot a canon 5d mark one that that i would not recommend no. slow if every time you push the shutter you're not sure if that's the last time it, it kind of wheezes you're like oh please i've got i've got 10 more shots at least don't do it now like you can kind of feel that the button was starting to cave in mine was in such rough shape i tried to sell it before moving over here and every camera store was like this thing's no, no this sucks i'm like ah you're probably correct. It is pretty beaten up, but it does work. I promise you. That's what you put on the shelf and look at, like ah, yes, the old days. Like you don't use that for work anymore. That's like a, it's a trophy. You know, my 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 friend who still who still lives in London has kept it for that purpose. So like when I go and visit, he's like, ah, Jack, you mark one. Don't you proud? I'm like Joe. That's weird, but I like this at the same time. I appreciate you. Thanks. That's hilarious. That's funny. Yeah, but the D750 is my my Nikon version of that Canon. The D750, amazing dynamic range. It just takes Dude, beautiful I images. See, I don't see the D750 ever leaving. Like it's just such a workhorse. It's amazing. I shot weddings with it for two yeah. years. Yeah, I had four of them. because uh, yeah. I was running the hold fast double, double, and then I had yeah. a second shooter, and she ran two cameras too. So yeah, and man, they just they just work, and the images are beautiful the dynamic range is ridiculous the low light is insane and now if i try to sell it i would only get like 700 bucks for it i'm not going to sell it for that nah, but the idea that you can get 700 it. bucks for a d750 still is actually kind of insane that's a testament to how much people still i know people right now today are outside right now shooting with that camera because it's just like they just nailed it on that camera they got it right it's like the 5d mark three a lot of people revere that camera highly in the wedding industry yeah, and I think the Nikon 7, D750 is its twin. Uh, my friend Edward Conde, he got he bought back or another Nikon DF, which is that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What a classic, beautiful banger. It's a full frame Fuji. If if Fuji would make a full frame camera, I would probably buy it digital. Mm -hmm. That would be the one because of the controls and the, and I, I like that DF, but uh, that thing, full frame goodness. Beautiful. So you're a full frame. You're a full frame uh, Snob. ride or die. I just I, I like so I do like a shallow depth of field and it gets you there gets you that there faster. I know you can accomplish that with like speed boosters or insane f stop 
prop sensor glass, but man, just get a run of the mill full frame digital camera and you're there. And you shoot it even at 1.8, it's just like ridiculously beautiful. You start getting to 1.2 or 1.4, it's like, what? And then, like, then there's a the whole argument of like, should you shoot wide open like that? And that's where that whole opinion thing comes in and everything goes sideways, you know? It's a, it's a flavor that people like. I used I to be Boca Bro for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. same, same, totally. I never got the whole should you shoot at this aperture. Like, what do you mean? There's a there's a situation for everything. Like, what do you mean should I or should I not? Like, if it gets the result I want, I should do it exactly. I should do that. Yeah. That's right. There's a bunch of crap behind the subject. I'm gonna blur that out. Or the stuff that's behind them is lit in a way that it would look sick blurred out. It would create a oh, pattern. It's a new thing. But yeah. Mac, it only works at f8. I know. <laughs> That's the yeah. only aperture, F8 and B there, for everything. Doesn't matter if it's street, doesn't matter if it's landscape portrait, that's the setting. I strongly dislike Ugly that. Setting. For that reason, I shoot at like 5.6 most of the time. Uh, uh, my uh, smallest aperture, because it goes to F8, my hand just starts going back to 5.6. It's like, don't do F8 and B you know, there. That's saying alone. <laughs> there are sometimes, I'm a bit of a rebel, I will put it to like F7.1. It's not quite yeah. F8. It's just that maybe F9, just some kind of like off kilter. It's, dude, it's most, a stick it to the man moment. It was like, yeah, I'm not dude, most, of the, most of the shooting I did on this trip, um, I shot at like F8 or F11. Yeah. Because I wasn't shooting. I wasn't shooting with like slow film. I was shooting with fast film. And right. so, you know, and since we were doing a lot of traveling through like the country and there's like a lot of like stuff, um, having that big depth of field was pretty advantageous. Um even with the autofocus, especially with the autofocus, I can pick a I can pick a point and then like everything, you know, for however many feet before and behind it are, are, are in focus. So um, I did take a bunch of like, you know, I did do my shallow depth of field photos when it was necessary. But the the bulk of the photos I took were like F8, F11, F16, even a couple of times. Like, oh, dude, well, for sure. When yeah. I was in Death Valley, I, I didn't have a choice. You don't have a choice. F16, yeah. you know, and praying that I still didn't blow out the image completely. Well, you know, I have those mo moments sent me their um, their ND filters, and I haven't done it yet. And I was going to do it on this trip. I didn't want to, like, I had to get a step-up ring, and I didn't get it in time. But um, I want to start using ND filters on, like, my film cameras and seeing how the ND interacts with the films. I haven't done that yet. Um but I think that's a really interesting because I, I like to shoot outside in bright sunlight. At I noon. do it a lot, man. I, mm -hmm. I use indie filters a lot with film. It it absolutely yeah. works. Oh, yeah, because when I first moved back to Arizona in May of last year, I only shot portraits. And, you know, in Arizona, there are no clouds. That's so bright. So, so I would get like a three or six stop ND filter, shoot yeah. Lomo 400 at 200, and it just it gets me there. And you can do really crazy stuff with it, you know, like bright light on the subject with like a shadowy plant behind them, and it just looks crazy because um, you can shoot a shallow depth field. But even then, I was shooting a Leica, so I, the widest I would go is F2. And then, of course, I'd break out the Pentax 7 but yeah, man, indie filters are a lifesaver for sure. Yeah, I got I got to look into that because that that's something I've been wanting to try and like that seems like uh, really fun. But again, like that's the thing: do whatever you want, shoot whatever camera you want, have fun with it. That's my motto: just have fun with it. That's right. Yeah, there's too many camps, man. Why is everybody in a camp? Just be like, oh, you like that? That's rad. Dude, because look, YouTube got really popular, and everybody who had a way to videotape themselves started doing it, and I think that's wonderful. But everyone has an opinion, and when someone has an opinion and someone else sees it, they go like, oh, yes, that'll also be my opinion. And then they just everyone just starts doing the same thing, which 
um, if it's going to bring people to the format or to film and it's going to foster community, that's really cool. But uh, there are too many. Um, uh, I feel like right now there's just a lot of samesies going on with uh, stuff that I see, especially on Instagram and, and Twitter. A lot of stuff where it's like, oh, that looks cool. But I've seen I saw that fucking picture last week because right. someone else did the same neon sign gas station, Cine Bloom, whatever. Mm-hmm. still film photo like that ju- i just saw that like you're great you're a good photographer but for for the love of god do something else right <laughs> yeah i mean but, in the beginning i guess it's uh best to mimic if you don't know but eventually like break off and use that foundation you learn by mimicking to uh make your own statement you know yeah and i know it's hard it's hard to find your voice i'm like i said i'm still developing my style and my voice and um that's not to say that you know if you find something you're really good at not to just do it, it's just funny that I guess right now there's been this real influx of building, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of, <laughs> there's just a lot, I don't want to call anyone out because I want people to do what they want without fear of being judged. But there's just a lot of stuff where it's just like this photo I've seen 14 times in the last month and it's all, they've all been really good, but they're all, but it's just the same damn thing. So I don't know. I'm grumpy and old, I guess. (laughs) Well, I still feel the most pertinent advice for any new film user is you have to buy a Context T2. That is the only way to start. You can't do... Yeah. If it works, it doesn't matter. If you have a Context T2, that automatically means you have graduated. You can then sell the T2 and buy whatever. But you have to do that first. first. Definitely official advice. Um, Side note. Please don't do that. That's terrible advice. And you uh, have to shoot portrait dumb. only. If you shoot, you can't. If you put, oh, why, I the reason why contacts T twos get broken all the time is because people put things other than portrait in them. That's what's breaking them. This is a PSA. Consumer grade films completely ruin them. Uh, the electronics yeah, yeah. see it, they're like, oh, that's a weird DX code. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very futuristic. futuristic. Yeah. Fuck it, kicked. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, a robot <laughs> film canister? The F2 is all electronic, or I'm sorry, no, all mechanical. There's nothing in here to get pissed off if I put weird film in here. What am I doing? I've got a Superior. I'm shooting it at 800, and it loves nice. it. No yeah. problems. It's, but, it's basically that, that camera can take Miller Lite or craft beer and be like, it's beer. Yeah. And <laughs> just be very happy with what it gets given. It that, is, that is an awesome place to be. I wish, I do wish people would stop buying that those point and shoots and stop. I think that point and shoots are fun, but I, I wish that I think there's right now also is a big, it's a big fashion accessory, not just the T2, but any point and shoot or camera, it's just becoming a fashion accessory, which, you know, stuff like this ebb and, ebbs and flows, like it happens here and there, but um, man, uh, uh, Jason from Granny Days uh, YouTube uh, a lot of the photos that he takes, he's using his old Canon AE-1, which I have I have the same camera somewhere over over there. But, like, he has a T2, and he has all that stuff, too. But, like, seeing him shoot with that camera, I was like, yeah, man, like, the pictures in your T2 don't look any different than the pictures with your AE-1. Like, and I wish people would know that. <laughs> and, the last yeah. definitely does make a difference, though. Yeah, I mean, sure. At certain levels, like... I don't want to. I don't even think I want to start this conversation talking about like a glass. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just back away. From conversation that. like a glass is like. I get it. I know that. I know why people like shooting like a glass because that that I mean Leica has mastered making lenses and yeah. just, 
yeah. in the same way that I feel like um, uh, Nikon's, you know, th uh, this era of lenses, I guess it's the pre-AI or the AI or whatever era. Like, I think that these are just gorgeous lenses, obviously much bigger than Leica lenses. Right. But um, yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's really funny when you talk to someone who shoots a Leica camera, like they have seven thousand reasons why they shoot a Leica on deck because they know someone's going to come up to them and be like, why that camera, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you can't, when someone says like a glass, that's kind of the end of the conversation. Cause you're right. Nobody like, has to be the yeah. best at everything. And I think some people are really upset that that's a reality, a fact of reality. I think, um, and then, then like, of course, the reason I shot it like a body is because it's like, what's the most comfortable body that I can attach an M-mount lens to. And I, you know, I, chase the trend with the m6 and it turns out that wasn't the one for me it was the ugliest camera ever made the leica m5 and uh <laughs> that that just be, happened to be the best thing for me to slap m mount glass on and and man i'll tell you what though uh and i hated that the leica glass was as good as it was because i wanted it to be not true because <laughs> i wanted to be able to say see you know you can't buy you know that a, a level of um an image that is intriguing right so it adds something that other lenses can't and people said that and i was so pissed off when you find out that it's true uh thankfully <laughs> uh I, I got my glass pretty cheap and i don't need to ever buy any more glass and all my gas stopped dude when i got like a glass i, I had been yeah. gassing for years I've heard and, now, that. and now i just i just don't gas you know i don't care about any other lenses i honestly don't care about any other camera bodies and i don't even like want to buy anything else it's like i found my thing i me and my chick go on trips every weekend i grab a camera up oh, just m5 it's comfortable and i always know what the image is going to look like too it's really consistent so i can see a scene and know the way it's lit what it's going to look like when i shoot it at 200 so when it comes out of the development tank i'm like yep that's it and, and that's a good place to be comfortable where i know that's it's a great place to be yeah. and that's what you want that's what you want you found the camera that you're comfortable with you found the camera that makes you want to shoot you found the camera that works for you and it gives you the experience you're looking for and look you're happy you don't want to buy other cameras or other glass because you found the thing that makes you feel successful and that's exactly the point you know when i tell people like just find the camera that makes you feel good about shooting so spot on. yeah that's you just nailed that marie yeah. the and the m5 that. yeah the m5 i've actually been recommended uh, a couple times people told me I should check that camera out because it's less expensive than the other uh, M series cameras because, you know, it's the ugliest one apparently. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> a lot of people cool. say that. I the think black one cool. is beautiful. I have the chrome and the black. I thought I liked the chrome. The black's beautiful, but yeah. Oh, the black? I mean, if I were going to get a Leica camera, it would definitely be a black paint camera for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm very open to trying one out. I love the form factor. Uh, I just I just have other priorities at the moment other than buying more cameras, but uh, I think it's really funny that you mentioned uh, how good like a glass is because I was gonna say um, those <laughs> there are people that I've met who in the same breath will be like like a glass is amazing like best lenses ever but will also be like oh medium format like you can't shoot thirty five millimeter medium formats way better and it's like well you just said that like a glass and that's only medium that's only thirty five millimeters so right. which one is it. Um, and it turns out both, both are true. Medium right. format is amazing, and like a glass on 35 millimeter is also similarly amazing. It's ridiculous, yeah. And like, I was the biggest like a hater too. Like, I thought so much crap about Leica for so. It it, it offended me that a film <laughs> camera, 
with a, a completely mechanical one thousandth of a second film camera body costed that much money. I was like really personally offended where I wanted to like be profane to anyone that tried to like tout anything about the camera. I was like, there's no way it's worth it. And then you freaking shoot it and it is. And you're like, you son of a <laughs> The problem is the price. If they were not if they weren't heralded as the end all be all and they weren't like hyped up to the point where they're unobtainium for a lot of people. Like right. I can't buy an M6. I'm selling the M6 my friend has for her because she wants to sell it. Uh and it's like forty five hundred bucks for that kit for the uh. for the M6 with the thirty five Summicron is easily forty five hundred bucks. And it's just like Jesus, that's like a car. That's a car. It that's- is. Yeah. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, yeah. It for yeah. sure is. Uh luckily I got my M5 cheap with the black paint one I, it is a beater man the guy dropped it before it's like dented on the on the right side but you know what that's the one i shoot i have like a shelf queen, queen chrome one that i don't i don't even shoot that's uh, my backup but the black one that's beat all to hell it just it just works man it gets out of the way so you nailed that chris it's like whatever works for you to shoot it and yep. even if you hate it if you drive it and you love it that, yeah man you really know that for sure and i hope that like permeates throughout the film community for sure. I hope so too. Cause I think that, you know, we have a lot of new people coming into it and, and finding out that they really love film and if they can get out of their own way and just find what they like rather than what they think is the coolest, people will be so much more happy and so much more creative too. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And when I gassed so much and bought all that kit, the one thing that was consistent was I was happy with the images across any platform. It could be a $50 body and lens on Craigslist. And, dude, it makes great images. It's hard to go wrong, you know? No, yeah. that's, that, that, I think, is the best thing. You can get anything through a thrift store. And as long as it's not completely, like, visually wrecked, probably going to be fine. I yeah. think I got, I got, a, um, I got like, a little Pentax uh, point-and-shoot that I ended up donating to a, to a friend who didn't have a camera. But uh, it was just, it was, like, five no, no, it was $2.50, and it was this plasticky, whatever, older Pentax point-and-shoot, clunky thing. But damn, so sharp, and it just worked really well, and, like, I don't know. It was just, like, a fun experience just have this yeah. chunky point-and-shoot in my hand. And it just kind of reminded me, like, man, like, I can have such a good time spending, like, almost no money to shoot. Uh, as much fun as I have with, like, my RB or, like, my Nikon. Like, it's it just goes to show that, like, being creative and having that experience is much more important than what you use to have that experience. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. pro film stocks, as long as you give them decent light, I mean, you're going to make a, a decent image, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Only shooting portrait, that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that really important thing. Portrait is the only only film you can start on. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think that that's another thing, too, is we got to... I think people know, but like, I feel like there is, there is, you know, I've been trying to, to talk about Lomography a little bit more only because I feel like if they get more popular, they'll ramp up production and then they'll have Lomo 800 and 400 in stock more often um, because they often are out of stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, if we can get people off of the Portra mindset for a little bit to try other things, then I think we're in a good space. <laughs> totally agree. That met that Metropolis. I have one, one role here. Uh, that I just rolled through my RB to test one of these backs I just got. Man, I don't know if you guys have shot the Metropolis, but similarly to the purple, it's just, like, really refreshing to have a completely different, like... Um, sorry, there's, like, a cat. kids outside my window. There's, like, little, family... Literal cat fight. That's all good. Life. 
Yeah. Dude, last night, okay, last night, there's like all this noise out my front door. And I'm like, what the hell's happening? I thought there was like cats fighting. I opened my front door, six-ish raccoons just hanging out on my porch. <laughs> and they jumped over to the next porch and then jumped up in this tree. And one of them falls out of a tree onto the top of the van that's parked next door. It's just like comedy of errors. Like, what is happening? What are these raccoons doing? They're so loud at night. Just like the little talking back and forth. Raccoons are loud. I don't know if you guys know this. Oh, oh yeah yeah um when we were staying at uh, my, my in- in-laws when we just moved over yeah. uh they had i think four or five that kept on rolling up they just laid down new um what what is the stuff called like the grass patches you buy we don't have oh, any sod or yeah so they put new sod down and yeah. these oh, persistent buggers kept rolling that thing up with their creepy little hands and ruining <laughs> it like he her dad had to um put like a load of garden chairs and other stuff out like in a arrangement to try and keep the stuff down i've got a picture of it somewhere uh, which i'm so happy that i recorded because that was a great moment yeah i'm familiar with the uh the nature of those critters and do you call them raccoons or raccoons how do you say it i would say raccoon raccoon okay (laughs) oh man i've had conversations with people who are native to california it's different everyone has a different way it's raccoon or raccoon and I don't know why it's so different for everybody, but who kn- raccoons, whatever, who cares? Why are we talking about the this? South? As you can imagine, we say raccoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Raccoon. Raccoon. Yeah. Raccoon. 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 There you go. That's the trash pandas. Yeah. Trash pandas. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they really are. Dude, they come in. Oh, I thought someone was like throwing my trash over my fence. And I was like, what neighbor is going in my trash can and tossing my trash over my fence? Turns out. Raccoons. <laughs> project. That's a film project, dude. You have to get And the cats. And the cats. But every time I walk out the door, they, they clock me and they go, nope. And then they they take off. So I have to be I have to set up like a like a trap camera to like get them when they're in the trash can. Ugh. And use like, of second shutter speed for sure. And I've got to use the Kodak uh P3 3200 with the uh with uh, my big strobe, get a picture of a bunch of raccoons in my house. Oh, yeah. so- there you go. <laughs> cool. So uh, we're coming to an end. What's next for you? Uh, trip-wise, you say you have the, the travel video coming out. Yeah, so that's coming out soon. I'm working on I'm finishing it up right now. Um, the, I don't know if you've seen uh, my last couple videos, but I'm moving to more of a documentary kind of feel for my videos, less of like a talking head thing. Um, not because I think that there's anything wrong with that format. I just think that I needed to push myself creatively a little bit. Um, and because I kind of gravitate towards documentary work in general, I'm trying to stretch those muscles out and get that going. So all of that stuff is more documentary feel and, and very, um, and very story driven. So this next video, it's going to be a little long, but it's going to have a lot of my favorite images from the trip. Um, it's going to have a lot of little vignettes of us traveling and like things we saw and, um, I think it's a really cool uh, video that I'm really proud of. And I hope people like it. Um, and then going forward, I'm going to have some more videos uh, just talking about my processes, talking about the Olympus XA and how I use it as a sketchbook and how that's like how I f- form ideas. And and uh, I've got some more stuff in the in the back of my mind. I'm picking up a new sponsor, so that'll be coming out um, in the next couple of videos. So I'm really excited about that. Um, hopefully collaborating with some really cool YouTubers who, um, everyone's moved to LA apparently. So, uh, uh, 
Willem Verbeek yeah, is here. Tell now. me about it. Yeah, so Willem Verbeek's here. Linus and his camera. Linus is here. Um, Jason's here from Grainy Days. Uh, Sam Elkins is here. So uh, I'm surrounded by all these cool dudes, and they all always want to hang out. So uh, I've got some stuff in the in the oven with those guys, which will be really interesting. Um, and then uh, hopefully by this time next year, I'll get a uh, I don't know maybe a maybe a Grammy or a, or something. <laughs> There you go. I don't know what is what's the one Academy Award whatever well, you know. Let's put the request in now. Yeah, let's let's. Yeah, someone, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first mail-in ballot. Yeah, <laughs> you feel right in. I got gotcha. you. I, I think I gotcha. I'm very very good. Um, this this director is not as good. I'm much better. Please vote for me. Thanks, guys. <laughs> That's exactly how it's gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, what I'm hoping for this time next year is I'm I'm back in another rhythm where I'm putting stuff out more read more uh, more consistently and COVID's done and everyone's happy and healthy and we're moving on from this crazy pandemic and uh, i'm trying to crack 10k subscribers in the next couple months i'm getting close um i don't know we'll see i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and and, and trying things out that's that's great where can they find that's you awesome. uh on instagram and youtube so on youtube uh it's just youtube.com slash uh the photo department uh d-e-p-t it's uh it's the abbreviation for department and then on Instagram, uh, the photo department also has an Instagram channel at the photo department on Instagram. And then if you want to follow me on on my personal photo photo uh, work Instagram, it's just Christopher Michael Sturm. So it's it's what my Instagram used to be, but I just stuck my middle name in it now, so it's now my full name. One will lead to the next. Yes, exactly. Right on. Cool. Jack, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at jack.w.allen. If you struggle to spell that, it's A-L-L-A-N. I've been saying that my whole life. Um, it's a <laughs> blessing and a curse. But um, that's pretty much the place to find me. Um, how about you, Mac? Where can folks find you? Mac shoots film on Instagram and YouTube. And, dude, I've been cranking out the TikToks. Like, oh. Hey, you have to get into it. It's a great platform for <laughs> i had this conversation with matt last week Chris. it's a great platform for getting out fast content man so uh that's the best place for people to check out like if they want to see more update stuff or not everything constitutes a youtube video so tiktok max shoots film max shoots film everywhere just type it in i'm gonna check that out that's gonna be my first uh subscription when i get tiktok so i can see what's going on because i've been told by so many people that's the way to go so we'll see i'll try for it sure. out. it's easy yeah <laughs> and it's easy to crank it out well so Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks Thank for, for everyone for listening. Yeah. And we'll catch you next show. Yeah. See you Thank later. You.